The Oscar goes to... And the winner is... And the Oscar goes to... The winner is... The Oscar goes to... M-M-O-W's Oscar Race Update. And we're back. Another Oscar Race Checkpoint episode coming to you to set up what will be probably the story of the weekend going into this weekend and how we all received the Joker. We have that in store for you today as well as some other highlights and movie stuff we'll get into. But this is Mike, Mike, and Oscar, and this is October 3rd, 2019, 11 years to the date of the Oscar-contending film's release, Beverly Hills Chihuahua, what? which I've seen a couple times, as a matter of fact. All right, here's the crazy thing about this movie for me. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember if I've seen it or not. Really? No memory. <laughs> I think I may have, probably, I have no I idea. I think that's the correct response <laughs> to that type of movie. Uh, I'm your co-host, Mike One. This is co-host Also Mike. Yeah, this is Also Mike here. So we were going to switch MMOW and Orc. I don't know if we're going to do that for a while yeah. now. We were just talking Looking about it. Like the schedule it, and whatnot. It doesn't make sense. The Gotham's early December, maybe sometime in November there. Like, that's the imperative. I want to do it when we have something really cool for you. Right. Like, something extra. When it makes sense to do it, there's a reason you would click on it. Yeah, last yeah. last week was kind of cool because, like, the Emmys happened. And right. I figured, all right, maybe that, that can be the opportunity. But no big deal. It wound up uh, working for us here because we can do this final preview of The Joker. We can cover fantastic fest you know just a couple days after it Mm -hmm. wrapped up so we're still hitting on the relevant stories and we're gonna do something a little different in this episode mike because we're gonna start doing mini reviews in these episodes and we're gonna start to focus those reviews on films where we think they may only have one nomination this is kind of out of necessity we talk all the time about how that snowball is coming down the hill and this is going to be a huge race literally a sprint to get to the oscars because every contender decides Decided to wait until quarter four to release itself this year in 2019. So we know we have a lot of stuff coming down the pipeline, and that we got a pipeline, pipeline that we want to review. <laughs> and so, as part of that, when we see a film like, say, Judy, that we think is maybe a one nomination film, if there's others, we'll talk about it, and highlight it. But primarily a one nomination film, we figure we try to cover it quickly uh, in the ORC episode. So that's what we're going to start with today. We're going to treat it kind of like akin to what we're watching if we ever listen to our MMO Weekly, which is our other Hollywood news uh, and entertainment show, our variety show, which is we do on Mondays, and that's, if you've not heard that, that's what covering non-Oscar-related mm-hmm, news. Mm-hmm. So this will be like the What We're Watching segment for that, but what did you think about Judy, Michael? So I thought it was very watchable. I sure. wasn't bored. On the contrary, I was really fascinated by the character. I did go with my mother, mm-hmm. and she is like an encyclopedia of Judy Garland knowledge. Really? She's read all her bios and watched a ton of the stuff on her. She's been a huge fan for decades and i think it was cool to have her you know kind of given me that thesis that doctoral thesis on the car ride up the car ride back we had a little bit of traffic and uh that, that was fun to get that perspective because i don't know enough about her i have seen her in a couple films sure that's how i am as well yeah you know, wizard of oz being the most notable one and uh, i've heard her sing of course so i th- this movie was something that really glued me to the screen from the start. And I didn't expect that. I thought I was going to be very bored. I felt like this movie was what everyone tries to lie to themselves and convince themselves that Rocket Man is. Like, oh. this was a better version. Like, this is a, a decently... It's not a bad watch. It's a fun watch. I have stuff to say about Renee Zellweger's chances, mm-hmm. but as far as the film overall, yeah, I agree. It was, it was watchable. I don't think it was anything stunning or blew me away, but... 
Something that I like is that they're trying to innovate the genre to a degree. Like, we've seen musical biopics go in all different directions nowadays. Bohemian Rhapsody had a different ending. They innovated there. Obviously, Rocket Man was, like, psychedelic. It was very strange. And my I wish week... I was on psychedelic when I watched <laughs> yeah. it. And I know my week with Marilyn's not a musical biopic, but this is kind of like that. Uh, more than anything else, and uh, you know, I, I feel like they're they're attempting to be more ambitious with the stories they tell. I think A Star Is Born kind of helped this movie happen because interesting, it's about like you know a, a downfall and a downward spiral and, and and drugs and depression and all that stuff. So, I think that being such a popular hit helped this. All that being said, I think they kind of sugarcoated some of the, uh, the the downfall here. If they sugarcoated it, then her life was miserable. Her life was apparently even more <laughs> because miserable. Because I thought this was sad. This was and sad. And depressing. According to the encyclopedia on Julia Gar- <laughs> Judy Garland. Which, by the way, I don't mean to cut you off, but your mother <laughs> needs to release like a movie companion watching app right? about stuff she knows. Because watching Downton Abbey with her and having her like fill in all the blanks, I'm sure Judy was the same experience. It, it's informative. It's nice. It makes for a better, well-rounded view. Experience. She knew about how her husbands took advantage of her, yeah. the extent to which that husband that, that was actually portrayed in a good light, taking the kids. Sid movie, there, yeah. Sid, like Sid just lost so much money to the point where, you know, basically all of her earnings, her future earnings Up were... smoke. But they were going to lawyers, or they yeah. were going to studios, or they were going to other people. So she didn't even have a way to make money to, to get gain the goals and the, and the things that she wanted, which was basically just to live with her kids. Yeah, she's very downtrodden. She is clearly working just to like get her kids and live with her kids, but she doesn't have a lot of money, doesn't have a lot of anything to her expense. Which I love the first act. Judy Garland. Yeah, the first act was really yeah. interesting, how she was just going from house to house. I mean, homeless, literally. And uh, living at the hotel, got kicked out of there. I, I thought that was fascinating and scary. It's an interesting story too that every time she tried to stand up for herself and like make a grand statement about like I'm not gonna be pushed around anymore, there was always a man in power that like would make her feel worse about herself, whether yeah. it was the studio head or whether it was one of her husbands. Or I thought that was kind of a unique commentary, a unique thing that kept popping up along her life, and certainly was portrayed in this movie. Now, all that said, this is not like. I'm speaking glowingly about it because it is watchable, but this is not something I'll ever watch again. Probably not. I would be more interested in watching like a Judy Garland documentary. Sure, right. I think if the musical numbers were a little better, I would say I'd be into it because then you get those musical goods every time. But I'd rather watch Judy Garland, you know, videos on YouTube, which was what I did the next morning, the whole morning. And that was so much different. I I compare it to like Walking Phoenix doing Johnny Cash, I would say. Like he's not close, but it's still really well done. I think they got the fact that the stage was her sanctuary. I think they nailed that. I think she nailed the mannerisms. We're going to get into her performance in a minute. She's going crazy with when she's on stage and she's acting through her singing and her singing is a point of contention, which I'll talk about as well uh, coming up here in a second. It's also, some of the dialogue is very weak. Like, she speaks the whole theme of the movie. I'm only Judy Garland for an hour a night. The rest of the time I'm part of a family. I just want what everybody wants. I just seem to have a harder time trying trying to get it like that could have been the movie that one line of dialogue it's like okay that's it 
That, go is, home that now. is it. Right. Well, you're supposed to state the theme at some point. <laughs> That's so on the nose, though, <laughs> and so explained. She's saying it to you know the the TV interviewer Interview, yeah. there. Yeah. I, I I think the movie's a bit hit and miss, but I'm more positive than I was. Not. I was surprised by that fact. Do we think it's going to go? anywhere else in terms of production value i'll say this not production values anything like that hair and makeup okay i could see now i said this leaving the theater as well because i happen to see this with my mother as well we didn't go together this time as a foursome but i wish i didn't know that she was 47 when she passed right because the makeup job on renee zellweger i was like wow it looks great. They made 40-whatever, late 40s Renee Zellweger look like 60-whatever-year-old Judy Garland. Oh, no. And then I see she passed at 47. Yeah. I'm like, wait a minute. They made her look... And it t- kind of took away from the story, too, because there's this storyline about how she's being wooed by this young man who's trying to exploit her fame and, and blah, blah, blah. She ends up marrying him. And it's like, it, it played to me, before I realized how old she was, as a much older woman being taken advantage of by a much younger man, when really they seemed closer in age then, and it was just because of the makeup made her look so much older. I wish I didn't know that she was 47 for my viewing purposes because I think it took away the whole time. I was like, this could make something in hair and makeup because mm-hmm. she does look so different from Renee Zellweger. Sure. And yet I think they made her look too old because of what happened. So I went into a bit of a dive into all her, you know, the photographs mm-hmm. from her late later years there and she is like aged up. You're absolutely right. right. Like she looks like a skeleton. Yeah. Like the drug habit was just killing her for for years and it was disturbing like it was absolutely disturbing to look at her arms to look at her legs oh my god mike the fact that this guy would take advantage of her at that point probably meant that he was just trying to take scumbag yeah yeah scumbag so it, it was a, a scenario where they, they didn't go to the lengths that were probably you know requiem for a dream level right, realities right, right. that's why i'm like it sugarcoated it a little bit but they do there are some great scenes in this in this movie and one point in the middle when she mingles with her fans and has that sequence with her fans. I know I that is it. trying. I to know you love that. I strum my it. heartstrings, but it just worked. It worked so well. It's one of my favorite <laughs> scenes in a while. I really, really enjoyed. I it. I enjoyed it, but I like as a critic. I hated it as a critic. I can't blame you. <laughs> I'm gonna call it a uh, on the chin scene. I've, I've been coining that. It's not on the nose. It's on the chin. So let's transition it. here. We did call this probably a one nominee picture, and right. what's the one nominee? Everyone's talking glowingly about Renee Zellweger's portrayal. Obviously, this fits right now as a Best Actress nominee, if not frontrunner. So we figured as a means of wrapping up our review of Judy here, since we're not going to give it the full OSP treatment, we go into a game of snubbable versus unsnubbable. Yeah. Uh, I had a lot of venom coming out of my viewing, so <laughs> I will be once again taking the snubbable position. And this time, I think I actually believe my argument. As opposed to JLo's, I don't think I, I believed it, but this time I have a little bit of actual conviction. So Michael, you are the unsnubbable argument. You are the prosecution. Uh, you can give your opening argument arguments here so first point is the oscar prognosticators mike they love that is true two of three on next best picture have her at number one the third has her at number two 21 of 26 experts on gold derby have renee zellweger winning it and 25 out of 26 have her nominated only Mm -hmm. one abstention second uh, on the list for Clayton Davis at Award Circuit. She's number one on the first two Feinberg forecasts thus far. And look, she is indeed 
the front runner for best actress. Yeah, I'd say that's inarguable. In terms of Academy uh, history, you know, there are precedents here. She's a three-time nominee, and she won in 2002 for Chicago. So the, the Academy loves her. They have a history of loving her. She doesn't have to prove it with this movie. She can just be there and be on their radar. All right. If she's got a movie coming out, she's on the Academy radar, even though it was, you know, 16 years ago. Mm-hmm. She's all, she's been campaigning by all accounts from Telluride to her promotional tour for this movie. And that will uh, expand after a solid start at the box office. So all these things are in her favor here. And I think the narrative is interesting and something that I think Academy members really cling to because we had that six year hiatus, even though she's three years removed from that. But Hollywood loves a comeback story. They love a comeback story. And this might be catnip to the Academy. And they may not be able to deny her at the end of the day. I got more argument to come, but that'll be my opening statement. That's your opening statement. All right. That's, uh, with it, with these, did you get the trailers before this movie? I got a lot of trailers. Were they just the most bizarre trailers you've ever seen? Some were interesting. <laughs> like there was a French film about uh, yeah, Cyrano the, de Bergerac. What the hell? Like, and I, I I didn't have this as part of my argument, but I mean, I'm sure the distribution company isn't going to be doing her a lot of favors. Can I say something that I think is going to rub people the wrong way? Yeah, talky, like a mile a minute, dialogue heavy, international films subtitled are hard. Oh yeah, they're rough. It's rough. With. It's rough. And, like, I agree. That was hard to keep yeah. up with. Just Par- a preview. Yeah. Parasites the same way. Oh, is it? And it, it's, and it is hard. I, I, I got to see it a couple more no. times. All right. Know. So I, I wasn't, I'm not going to go down the distribution and the Asker campaigning route that I did for JLo. I tried to abstain from that. So I will have a list of subjective arguments okay. and then objective arguments. We'll start with the subjective. Uh-huh. This is a wholly unmemorable performance. I will not remember anything Renee Zellweger does in this movie after Oscars. I disagree because. That's fine. That, that's why it's subjective. the guy but, on the. Pre- on the piano there. You, I'm going to remember that. one that. goddamn scene. You love it. Fine. She's so kind to him while he's making her the omelet that's a terrible omelet. <laughs> like, I like food scenes. I've established right. this. I'm on a diet. Right. If there was no eggs there, you wouldn't have any idea what's going on. You wouldn't care. Probably not. Uh, it's... Also, to me, the most interesting parts of this movie, the highest drama, the things, the parts I wanted more investigation and more of, yeah. was all Judy as a young child actor. Yeah. I wanted more of her background story. I wanted more of her family, why, how she got to that point. I wanted Why is she so reliant on the studio head there, which has been an infamous story throughout Hollywood history, while she's on the set of Wizard of Oz and all this, and she's being pushed and, and fed pills, hand-fed pills all the way. We both compared our mother's reviews just before recording today, and basically they're both upset at the fact that this new generation is not going to look at yeah. Judy Garland the same way. Like, this movie doesn't pay full homage to her. This movie can't because it's focused on her downfall. It's it shows the worst of her, The yeah. drug addict basically getting strung out, and you don't see all the high points. You only see flashbacks to co- some of the sources and some of the causes for what happens in the end. Uh, I completely agree there. Also, I will make this point. Mm-hmm. I think Bohemian Rhapsody might ruin her chances a little bit because... The lip syncing in this movie was so bad at points. Like, it took me wholly out of the performance. Where did you see it? When she's on stage in the club. It's awful. But did you see it at Podunk, or did you see it somewhere else? No, I saw it in... It's not showing at Podunk. Yeah, I show show it in the city theater. It it looked terrible, and I couldn't help but notice it. And it's supposed to be these big, dramatic parts. I think Bohemian Rhapsody might have done for lip syncing what the Irishman might do for how we view de-aging scenes nowadays. All right, so... What is a lawyer to do 
when they want to object to the credibility of a witness. Oh, you can go ahead. I mean, would you, you can file you're, an you're, objection you're here? Blind is what I. Oh, saying. I wholly disagree. You, yeah, of course wholly you would. disagree. And of you can ask you my would. mother. She said the same thing. <laughs> Look, your mom. I love her. I don't think she sees too well either. It think. looked awful. I watch this. Go back and watch this, and then watch Bohemian Rhapsody. I didn't notice it. Oh. I have eyes like a hawk. Oh my god, I couldn't stand it. Well, you, you were bought in. You bought into that emotional scene. They had you hook, line, and sinker. I guess I did. I guess I, did. Uh, I, I was totally. It, let me know if you felt the same. If it is just me being, I'm blind, curious too. Now. But. I was taken out of the drama of it so much because it just looked like her mouth was moving and the sound came a millisecond after and I, right. I hated it. Um, all right. And here's my last subjective argument point. <laughs> For a movie in which the majority of the interpersonal drama takes place in a hotel room, yeah. we cannot live in a world where this performance in those scenes is held on equal footing of what Glenn Close did in The Wife last year. Okay, oh, we can't. No, this is objective. It's a subjective argument. But I, if you are not going to say Glenn Close won last year, yeah. you cannot say this performance is of same quality as that by remember, nominating them though, both. Remember though, this is about whether or not Renee Zellweger gets nominated in a weaker year. Right. Well, because Glenn Close didn't win, all she is is an Oscar nominee. So I'm saying you can't call this an Oscar nominee. It's not because Glenn Close blows this fucking performance out of the water and that. Because of setting. Exactly. Thank you. All right. Now let's get to the more serious objective arguments. I and I have this. two. One's pretty serious. The first of which, this is Oscar Bait 101. This isn't J. Edgar levels of Oscar Bait, but the scenes in which she is coping with the gay couple that she meets, her gay fans, and saying, oh, they, you know, screw them. That's what I say. There's always people trying to get... That's so shoehorned in for no reason. The Me Too movement is touched on... But it's not. It's only alluded to with the studio head there, and it's it's kind of shoehorned in for no real reason other than for you to take that narrative and run with it. Well, she was abused, and that adds to why she was willing to take well, so readily and blah blah blah. Verbally abused. I mean, in in this. The fact that you don't let a little girl eat food and you're sure. forcing pills down her throat and chicken broth for lunch every day, that, that's a level of abuse. And the mother is just as culpable as, as that guy, Louis B. Mayer there, studio head. Mm-hmm. Now... To the extent of, was she sexually abused? Right. I, I don't know, exactly. and I don't know if me, anybody knows. Me either, and I hate that. That it, it, I didn't do research on it, so that's my fault, and blah, blah, blah. I, I'll take cr- credit for that if it's well known that she was. But It was like, creepy, though. Like, he's touching her neck. Absolutely, and that's yeah. the illusion. So was it, if it's not true, or if we don't know, or if it didn't happen, or we did, I almost wish it wasn't in there. Because it seems like it's in there just for baity reasons to mm-hmm. kind of make you feel more empathy towards this downfall and this downward spiral. And I, I know it's a touchy subject. Yeah, I get it. I get right. it. I just thought it w- it goes all towards this Oscar grabby type thing where it's like let's take issues of the moment, yeah. even though they're not whether or not they actually happen, we don't know. But since they're relevant now in social media and in in the lexicon of of pop culture, let's make sure we include them here. I know she is a huge gay icon, but we'll we'll shoehorn in equality issues. We'll shoehorn in the Me Too movement. It just felt grabby to me. We've seen how many movies get nominated with lesser sins or similar sins, I I would say, in Bohemian Rhapsody last year. I agree. felt just like that. It's just a check against it for me. And it may not feel that way to other people, but you could argue that that's subjective too. What you can't argue is subjective is this. Mm. Of the past 50 nominees for Best Actress, only six were nominated for movies with a worse meta rating than Judy's current 65. Right. Of those six... 
three were all from the class of 2012, which may have been a historically weak year for the category. That's the year Meryl won for The Iron Lady. There was a couple other really low-scoring movie performances that ranked in that category. I heard a lot of comparisons to The Iron Lady, but everything was like, well, this is a better movie than The Iron Lady, but not by that much. Right, right. right. So it, it, it's, it's on, I mean, the movie is on that level, I would say, kind of a middling, not received well by critics at least. While only one of those remaining other three would win the award at all, that was 10 years ago with Sandra Bullock in The Blind Side. And it gets worse for Zellweger's nomination chances if you go based on the movie. Because mm-hmm. if you if you turn the IMDb score that this movie has into a whole number, mm-hmm. take out the decimal point, and you combine the meta rating and the IMDb scores, so you're taking somehow the critics received it and somehow the audience received it, you combine the meta rating and the IMDb scores of the films of each of the past 50 nominated performances... Exactly five of them of the past 50, the past 10 years, are worse than Judy's combined 135. Three of those five come from Meryl and Jennifer Lawrence, who had already previously won the category. Yeah, so does she. So, so she's got a she's got a one what a three out of five is almost a seven percent chance something like that. How do you okay. get these numbers? That's a seven percent chance. I was wrong. <laughs> the other two of those were Viola Davis from The Help and Sandra Bullock again winning from The Blind Side, but that was ten years ago, and okay. she won pretty much based on the another weak field and it's an it's her time argument. Sandra Bullock's first award. The historically is the word I was looking for there. Historically. A movie like this, which is received poorly or middling by the critics and not exceptionally by the audience, has a tough time getting nominated and landing nomination, no matter how hard it comes out of the gates with the critics and pundits. So I would go on to say here that Judy, the movie is might be held against Renee Zellweger here, and because her performance isn't a blow-away, has-to-be-nominated performance, or at least you could certainly make the argument and nitpick about it, whether it is, I could say easily that she is a snubbable performance here for Judy. So, 83% on Rotten Tomatoes. You're right about the meta score. We have seen, especially best actors over the last two years, Roman J. Israel's Denzel Washington, At Eternity's Gate, Willem Dafoe. Mm-hmm. We've seen movies that we hated or that were very poorly received get nominated. So, yeah, it's hard to you know argue a absolute here. And we're arguing those on both <laughs> sides, which is difficult. But uh, I will, I I will say this: I think this movie does not disqualify her performance from getting nominated. Probably fair. Probably fair. I don't think it would disqualify it. I would say her facing the odds that she's facing that other nominees had to face mm-hmm. is probably proper. I would put this in. This isn't sincerely to me. I don't think this is a slam dunk nomination performance. Right. I don't. And that's where I'll land on it, and that's where I'll wrap up my argument. I think her having already won the award, Mm -hmm. if she's to be nominated, I think it would be along the lines of, like, Meryl Streep in August Osage County, one of those, Meryl Streep in the Post, Mm -hmm. we just need a name to throw in here. That's where I'll land on it. How do you convince me otherwise? Well, that's a good transition, because I want to talk about the category and the best actress race thus far. Week. It's weak. It's very weak, and it's unfortunately so, because I think if people respected horror films the way you and I do, Lupita Nyong'o would be by far the the frontrunner right now. But she's not. She's not. Because those performances, those scary, creepy, over-the-top performances... Have to transcend the genre. Yeah, they're not considered. And as much as I love Aquafina, that performance doesn't have a lot of Oscar real scenes. She has one or two, maybe, and that's stretching to say two. I mean, we love the farewell 
also. Yep. I think those two performances in the top fives of most people right now, Clayton Davis, Scott Feinberg, they're much more vulnerable than Renee Zellweger right now. My objection would be, and I know you're going to touch on it, we have a murderer's row of stuff that could come up. So, Scarlett Johansson is probably the only person of that murderer's row that seems to be a shoo-in at this point. Uh, where everybody's like, If Sir Ronan doesn't get nominated, I will be shocked. That has been a recent precedent, but nobody has seen Little It's Women. true. Nobody it's has true. seen it. She looks good in the trailer. We don't know. She puts out a couple movies every year. Honestly, you're, Mike, What I you're touching know. on right now is why I'm going to tear down the 1917 trailer we get to later in this episode. Really? Yes. Oh, that's surprising. <laughs> I'm thrown off my game, but not really. <laughs> Helen Mirren, is that a commercial movie? Is that a liked movie? It didn't come out in these film festivals. It's also faded. It seemed to be hot once it was on the, the schedule, and it's lost a little momentum. The, so good, the good Liar has no momentum mm-hmm. right now. Queen and Slim, we worry about that film. Jodie Turner-Smith is supposed to have a great debut or debut as a starring actor, actress anyway. Again, we don't know. Alfre Woodard, she's been out there in critics' minds since Sundance. If her performance was so over-the-top stellar, wouldn't we know by now? So to me, you know, some of the bigger names yet to come that have yet to be seen or yet to be put into this Oscar race in terms of... They're not good enough to be claimed the front runner at this point. Zellweger is, and by those punditry numbers, I think she is definitely the front runner right now. Is she unsnubbable? There's more to say. Cynthia Erivo looks like a bad movie. Everybody, by all accounts, it's not a good movie. For all the arguments you just made, you might be able to make them more about Harriet than you do about Renee Zellweger. I would throw Clemency in there as well. It's gotten a kind of uh, rough start with reviews. So, let's look at some precedent, and let's look at the subject matter. I do think this is catnip to the Academy. Judy Garland's a beloved icon. She was nominated for two Oscars. She won one in 1940, even though that's the equivalent of the Best Child Actor Award. The, The Academy nominates... A biopic performance almost every year, Mike. I guess if you take the actor side of it, they may every year. But certainly on the actress side, in 2018, you had Lee Israel and Queen Anne. In 17, Tanya Harding and Catherine Graham. In 16, Jackie Kennedy and Florence Foster Jenkins. 14, Cheryl Strait and Jane Hawking. Those are just recent years. In 19, you could have Harriet Tubman instead of this one. You could. <laughs> <laughs> Musicians get nominated, and we got precedent yes. nominations, right? And, and and celebrities, Marilyn Monroe via Michelle Williams, 08's winner, Edith Piaf via Marion Cotillard. We had 05's winner of June Carter Cash via Reese Witherspoon, Angela Bassett's Tina Turner in 93. Those are all comps, and those are all precedents for me. And that's just the Best Actress category. Going to the Best Actor, last year's Rami Malek, Joaquin Phoenix, Ray Charles, winners... And for good reason, you know, the Academy loves musical biopics. That's why this is an Oscar-grabby performance in many ways. I don't think that was lost on Zellweger. Now, to get into awards race baseball here. Zellweger is going to be a definite nom at the Golden Globes. That's a definite. I would pump the brakes on that only because we don't know what the aspirations of this film is. If they put her, if she goes comedy or musical, I would wholeheartedly agree. If they put her in dramatic because they're trying to overreach for other categories, they will not do that because they know their meta scores, they know their critical. Reaction. I wouldn't. I mean, I certainly think that's the wise thing to do. They, but we've seen other movies. 
but other, unwisely do that. We've seen other movies unwisely put it in the wrong category. Yeah. Last year's A Star is Born mm-hmm. is a great example for putting it in the drama category. Right. But that was arrogance, and that was after mm-hmm. just illustrious reception and a long time as the Oscar front. All true. You know, it was sitting there on its high peak. I, I think this movie is going to be an underdog as a movie to get anywhere else other than her. I would agree. They they should 100% put her in musical or comedy. And unless Scarlett Johansson's marriage story is in that category, I mean, all the people I mentioned, how many of them are musical or comedy actresses? I mean, she is going to be nominated, Mike. And to me, uh, at least on the eye test, she's going to win. What an ass chap it would be if Lupita gets nominated at the Globes for Little Monsters in Musical or Comedy and her us performance doesn't even make the grade. Little Monsters? Uh, Little Monsters going directly to Hulu. So I, well, I'm, I'm I just saying, I'm, I, I would doubt it as well, but I'm just making the case that it, like she's being overlooked for that This is another hypothetical to completely throw me off in my game, <laughs> to get me passionate about horror movies, which I, you know I'm passionate about. Look at what you're doing. I think you're doing a great job. All Please right, continue. So, look, the Globes happen on January 6th. And Oscar nomination voting ends on the 14th. We've always said it. Mm-hmm. The Globe winners are almost nominated all the time. And she has got the inside track right now for not just a nomination at the Globes, but a win at the Globes based on all of these numbers so far. So that's the awards race stuff. In terms of the film, like I said, it's better than I thought it would be. I applaud the ambitiousness of it. I don't think the film disqualifies her those three points. But as a performance itself, she got the mimicry right. And I I had to do a double take on many occasions where... You know, that looks exactly like Julie Judy Garland. It's the posture it from, from the silhouette or from the back. That is Judy Garland, and, and that holds after watching all the Judy Garland videos afterwards. I still say she's closer to a talent level of Joaquin Phoenix was to Johnny Cash, and I don't think the music really translates. She doesn't have the pipes, and she's a great singer. I mean, Chicago was a testament mm-hmm. to Renee Zellweger singing like Renee Zellweger can, Agreed. correct? She's trying to sing like Judy Garland here. She doesn't have the depth, the breath. She doesn't have it. And it's unfortunate, and it's sad that we don't get, like, in the credits, the real Judy Garland singing. It would probably show her up, but it is kind of sad. And we don't really get the greatness of Judy Garland in this movie for that reason, unfortunately. Will many people see it the same way? I don't know. I think, you know, Ryan L. Terry, to other reviewers that we really respect, they seem to be moved by the musical performances for, uh, I'm guessing, an amalgam of reasons, not just the quality of the singing. You're referencing people that love Rocket Man. You know that's an easy in with this movie. (laughs) Yeah, a little bit. A little bit. Well, what am I supposed to do? I got to make this argument. Uh... Look, there's plenty of Oscar real, real scenes here. There's versatility in the performance. Like, she's crying, she's laughing, she's charming. She's w- the warmth on display here. We've seen this time and again. The characters that are almost saintly in their warmth and yet are still dimensional and so flawed, they get nominated so often. That is catnip. It is. To the Academy. We've, I agree. We've seen it time and again. Even Viggo Mortensen's nominee last year in Green Book was like that. He's flawed. But then he's so charming <laughs> and funny. And he's got all these great things to like about him, too. And he eats so many hot dogs. <laughs> you know, her hot dogs are pills. And that's very sad. But <laughs> Jesus. we have this going on. So I think that this performance, I'm a little higher on it than you were. So I, I think this performance is really strong. Is it in my top five last year? I don't know. But I think... 
last year is so much stronger than this year. Well, it seems, does seem to be a stronger category last year. I agree with that. So many of the actresses to come, like the big names, they got to knock it out of the park to, to bump her out. Because, again, I think Aquafina and Lupita get bumped before she gets bumped. For what it's worth, I do think she ends up nominated at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, just as means of wrapping up, I would just quibble with one thing you said, and then I'll make one more point. What I disagree with is that if she, if you're saying she has to be nominated at the Golden Globes for musical or comedy category, those nominations, whether or not she wins is a different yeah. story, but those nominations historically have less of a correlation of being nominated at the Oscars than, say, the drama nominations. True. The only other point I'll make, and again, I happen to agree with you, I do think she will be there at the end of the day, but... This has more to do with her winning overall. But if we're going to say mm-hmm. Leo can't possibly win for Hollywood because it's just so difficult to win your second Academy Award, and that's the only reason. <laughs> if this wins and yeah. gets her her second award, I will burn the Academy Award no, stage to the ground. Do <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't think she's going to win either. I'll be honest with you. I don't think she's going to win I think this is a nomination in most years. This is a particularly weak year thus far. There's still 10 heavy hitters to come or so-ish. Like I said, it's not. none of those are guaranteed. We, we've You're seen... certainly right that the movies we most expect to do well and presumed contenders have mm-hmm. certainly been falling. Yeah. Say it. By the way, thank you. (laughs) Uh, They've been dying, yeah. So it's there's certainly that aspect to this. It's been a really unique year. Mm -hmm. 2019 has been odd, very odd. A lot of heavy hitters have waited till the last three months. A lot of the heavy hitters we expect to be there just haven't been up to snuff. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. Uh, we clearly, obviously, the reason we do Snubbable versus Unstoppable, we want to know your thoughts and where yes. do you weigh in. You play the part of the jury in this. Uh, did we sway you one way or the other? And did we overlook a fact or an argument that you think is glaringly obvious? We want to hear that from you. You can leave us those comments, questions, concerns. And your ruling, dear listener, Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook or Instagram or at MM and Oscar on the Twitter machine. Great job. Also, Mike, as always, yeah, bringing up the argument there. Let's move on to some other Oscar race stuff. We'll have a preview here with what's going on with the Joker and its release coming wide this weekend. So, yeah, a little final roundup here. So a video was just released of Joaquin Phoenix, quote, cussing out a crew member okay. on set. You don't find validity in this. I didn't watch it. So can you set the stage here for me? Well, he's basically has the scene in the mirror, right? Uh-huh. And apparently he's just saying, like, dude, why can't you just shut the fuck up? Why are you constantly whispering back there? It's distracting. I'm trying to do something real here. And then he's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I shouldn't do that. Joaquin Phoenix apologizes? Joaquin Phoenix, right in the right in the scene. He's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I, but I, oh, Jesus. I, I yeah. should, you know, but what you're doing really hurts me. And I, you really need to be quiet. And he's being vindicated for this? No, he's being, you know, put in the, the in headlines. He cussed out a crew oh, member. Yeah. Like, this is a big thing. Like, and he's apologizing on Jimmy Kimmel. I'm embarrassed about how I acted on set. This is, to me, is a non-story. Absolutely This, not. to me, is a tiff yeah. on set. He said the F word. He apologized in the moment. And then again, I mean, what are we talking about here? Yeah, everyone not exactly like that not not an issue yeah watch the video i don't i don't think it's an issue what is an issue and this was a huge story and it got warner brothers to respond and speak out about gun violence is that the aurora friends and family members mike they sent a letter to warner brothers expressing concerns about the upcoming release today on the hollywood reporter we have kareem abdul jabbar's take on it which i thought was fascinating where he basically thinks that 
all of their responses are in, with the intentions that are good, but they're going about social change in the wrong way by criticizing this work of art. Official statement from Warner Brothers now. Make no mistake, neither the fictional character Joker nor the film is an endorsement of real-world violence of any kind. It is not the intention of the film, the filmmakers, or the studio to hold this character up as a hero. So that's bullshit. It's not your intention to hold it up as a hero? Then name the movie something else. <laughs> Don't well, have him be the protagonist of the movie. Here's the thing. Protagonism versus heroism, those are, those are two different things. Like you can have, I agree, but a I protagonist mean, it, is still. I mean, he's still the main focus. He's still going to be. Main focus. He's going to be glorified in some aspect of what he's doing. I mean, Macbeth is not a hero, Mike. It's a tragedy about a really scummy guy. I think the angle would have been better if it's just you're saying you're making a piece of art, you're distributing a piece of art, and it's supposed to be left open to interpret. You know, I I don't think saying okay. telling people how to view the movie is a good idea. The. Uh, yeah, I, I can't. I can't disagree with that. I mean, there, there's been reports of increased police presence uh, at uh, New York theaters. For one, there's one small theater chain. They have already outlawed Joker costumes in the sense because Aurora was that real. Now, and why... the, the Aurora was a Batman-related thing. The guy said he was obsessed with the Joker character, that scumbag that did yeah. that violence, and he did it during the Dark Knight screening. We didn't comment on it during Dark our Heath Knight Ledger. Rises, yeah, yeah or it was Dark Knight. I'm sorry, yeah. but we didn't comment on it during our Heath Ledger episode. It's a very real thing. There's some debate on whether he was dressed up as the Joker if he just had painted Di- red yeah, hair, his hair, yeah, something like, it, like that. I don't, I don't, I don't want to glorify him. He's a scumbag. Right. Todd Phillips has been aggravated about. All of this back and forth. This and is the stupidest thing, I think. He compares Joker to John Wick. And he's he wonders why his movie is being criticized and that movie wasn't. Because Again, have... like, this is the problem I have with WB, Todd Phillips, everything. You're just... Do you think everyone's dumb? Hmm. Like, I, I feel like the angles they're taking on this is just so... You're insulting the audience's intelligence. Like, what's the... I don't see well, the difference between corn, John Wick right? 3 yeah, and man. Joker. Yes, you do. Of course you do. Yeah, of course you do. And Chris Evangelista called him out on Slash Film with an obvious counterpoint, even though he's still in favor of the film, Evangelista, whereas, like, the unrealistic nature of John Wick... Right, exactly. ...and that world, it makes it different. Of course it does. That's the difference. And you know that, Todd Phillips. Right. Don't act like they're they're seen on equal footing. and Don't act like it's apples to apples. I just, I, I wish their reactions were different across the board. It's it's souring the taste in my mouth for this movie. It's very defensive. They're cornered. They want their movie to be the biggest hit ever and be a masterpiece because they're getting the critical acclaim that could put it there. Right. They they don't, they want it to be an, an Oscar movie. An Oscar winner. Right. Yeah. I just, they want it all. They want the, the critical acclaim. But they criticism isn't a bad thing either. You can make criticism a good thing. You don't have to combat it with now, another to sword. Be, to be fair, some of the implications of the criticism seems, and from the letter to WB, is that we're concerned because you, you know, we imply that this is going to affect people the wrong way. And mm-hmm. I think that's in the letter. This is going to affect people the wrong way. And a crazy person could become violent because of your movie by implication and that according to kareem abdul jabbar and many people is inaccurate they're blaming something that shouldn't be blamed for the actual violence i always think this is a fine line to walk because i think i think blaming the movies or blaming you know rap music right horror movies i think that's always ridiculous but i think the specific message that there is a chance that the wrong person could interpret the wrong message from any piece of art right. is a real thing. And I don't think 
equating those two things is necessary or proper because I don't think they're the same thing. I don't think you could ever specifically fault a piece of art, but I think there is a chance that the interpretation left up to the mind of the wrong person could certainly be warped in some way. Star Wars inspired McVeigh of the Oklahoma City bombing. It's, that's on the record. Right, exactly. Helter and now, Skelter. are we going to blame Star Wars? Right, exactly. yeah. Do we blame the, the Beatles, Beatles or Charles Manson? No, of course not. But there are deranged minds out there that if they view a certain... You know, I think that's... And again, I so I don't think chastising someone, and Scott Feinberg was dragged across coals on social media for this, and I, I tried to come to his defense because I think it's a very real thing, and I think it's equating them again i think it's just wrong chastising someone for having the opinion that the wrong person can see this and get the wrong message from it is the same as saying marilyn manson causes school shootings i I think that's very misleading and And i don't think you're doing though either of the critical thinking behind those messages justice bill simmons and chuck klosterman talked about it on today's podcast as well uh the bill simmons podcast here's where i land you know and the question's raised should movies be moral yeah. And there's a good argument on both sides. So we get into the ethics yeah. all the times on film. It's a very real question. Um, we do. We talked about it in the Tarantino rewatch throughout. We sure. talked about ambiguous films that can be interpreted in multiple ways about horrible things. And that's kind of where I would be a little bit trepidatious. I thought we'd established that wasn't a word, but I'm going to use it anyway. <laughs> because here's the thing. Like if it's a nihilistic film, you know, we've seen movies like that. Are are they trying to force you to confront something and therefore it's not nihilistic? I don't know. Is it, is it a film that truly glorifies mm-hmm. this person's rise to mass murdering? I don't know. We, we got to see this soon. Yeah, I mean, we're not passing specific comment on it because we haven't seen the movie, so we can't pass specific comment. We're talking, in general, the theory of a movie which poses nothing but nihilism and violence for the sake of violence and glorifies it the stance i think we both have is that should you be allowed to make that movie yeah i mean that's freedom of expression that's taylor 100 percent the first amendment and i love this second point but it's up to us as a society as to whether or not that movie merits recognition and merits awarding right does it succeed at doing something good should it have to do something right yeah it probably should have to do something good i would say and if it doesn't should we award it every Oscar right. and, every, and the Venice exactly. Golden Bear? And that's where we're going to land on our line. Joker review. I mean, it has been highly controversial. But again, there's there are nuances in the arguments. And one saying yes. and one phrase does not mean another. Joker bad, Joker good. It's right. not that. It's not that simple. It's not that black and white. And just saying, like, we shouldn't make nihilistic movies isn't the same as saying that if this movie does not glorify a serial killer, it is not worthy of awards or recognition or merit of all that. If there is a message that's obvious and I understand there's little pieces of everything because even if the obvious message could still be misinterpreted by the wrong mind. So these there's, it's this tangled web of all these questions, but you have to go through them and they are worthy of critical thinking. And that's what we're going to try to do on our part when we review this movie. For sure. I'm curious to see, and this is where I've landed the last week or so, My, I've gone from excitement about this movie to curiosity about this movie. Really? Because I'm downright worried, and I think... I have times, worries, you're, absolutely. You're worried. I absolutely have worried, but I'm, I'm more curious to see what it's going to be. Well, here's what I don't like. It's a, some fallout here is that the Joker premiere disinvited all the press. <sighs> they didn't allow exactly interviews. exactly what I'm talking about. And they said they wanted to let the film speak for itself. Only photographers were on the red carpet there. After the premiere, 
a lot of the grades kind of went down. Now we expect this to sure. a degree, but should be a, polarizing. It's a 66 Metascore now, which is not as high as it's it a used point to be. above Judy. It's a 78% on Rotten Tomatoes. Now, this was hailed as a masterpiece, one of the best films of the year for a while. 66 Metascore, that scares the hell out of me now. WB is doing this no favors. I mean, Todd Phillips is doing this no favors. The, sab- the self-sabotage is very real with this property. Todd Phillips went on a rant uh, that fandom picked up yesterday saying mm-hmm. how he'll never make another comedy because SJW culture is too much and people get too offended and blah, blah, blah. This is the guy that made the Hangover movies. Right. Like, shut up just shut up and not not Todd Phillips Todd Phillips WB everyone attached just shut up stop doing things stop trying to control the message because that is not going to work in this day and age let business run as normal if there is criticism again use it use it to your advantage which I think any smart marketing company would do anyway it's still being projected for 80 to 100 million on the weekend. It could go a little over that in North America. So we will have updates on Joker throughout next week for sure in that regard with MMOW on Monday or Tuesday. And then, of course, we're going to review Joker. We plan to this weekend. If it weren't for WB's bungling of this debut mm-hmm. and Todd Phillips's mouth running nonstop, would you have as many worries? Or are your worries purely from what you've seen and heard otherwise about the message of the movie. I'm more worried about the responses. Yeah, okay. I'm, I agree with you. I'm worried about Todd Phillips on this defensive and like reacting to it very quickly. Okay. I'm worried about WB and, and the fact that you know they could have just said, of course we'll donate to this, and this is a great time to donate to gun violence. Here, let's, let's show you. And they, yeah, they mentioned that they've always been supporting gun lobbies, but it's just like defensive. We've done nothing wrong. Right. Like we don't, we don't see that, and it, it's fine. And they could truly believe that. And we got to see the movie, and maybe they didn't do anything wrong. Maybe we're going to come out and say this movie's being misinterpreted. Well, There's a moral center to here. that. To that end, Mike. Like to me, if we critically think about it, and we do find a moral center, to me, Todd Phillips is coming off as so bullheaded and so stubborn that it would suggest that there's not. Uh, like a creamy center of a moral message that you have to look for. It would suggest to me that the message is blatant because he's that stuck in his way about how this movie should be received. Perhaps. We don't know Todd Phillips. No, we don't. I, I don't at all. think no. I've seen any interviews with him. I don't like his last couple of movies, to be honest with you. So I, I don't know. But they were very morally conscious, I would say. He did a movie about the drug runners with Jonah Hill. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think he was going for something there. And I, I think... He's made movies there where he's he's he has moral centers to them, so I would be surprised if this movie doesn't. I would be surprised if it's a nihilistic kind of a film because everyone I would as well. Like we're t- we surprised. talk about we talked about in pre-production the house that Jack built. Like we don't expect this to be that. Of course, you know what I mean. Like it can't be right. There's no way WB would probably wouldn't stand for that, right? No. It's not right? going to be. And all the critics that we love and respect who saw this at film festivals... Have good things to say about it. Have good things right. to say about it that, that they would not if they thought this was a film about nihilism and yay bad guys. I don't think like I don't think this is an argument about yay bad guys. I think this no, is a not. serious consideration of whether or not, you know, a, movies can be blamed or that this movie in particular can trigger somebody who really is on the edge. And I, I think that's a conversation worth having. Does it spiral into blame gaming? Yeah. Right, of and, course. And if, if you let it, yeah. Absolutely. Of course it does. And 
blame gaming, which Todd Phillips and WB are doing for other reasons, blame gaming, blaming the media that they'd send the wrong, that's not a good start. It's not a good start. The media can get a little overbearing. Though. Of course, let's it can. just say. Of course, that. It can. let's say that we can. just looked at the first story. I thought that was a non-story, yeah. and the media flew off the handle about oh, you cussed out this. No, it's just it was it's a true. Little tiff. The moral of the story: everybody is always wrong <laughs> about everything. Could be. <laughs> Curious. Very curious. We're going to cover the Joker, like you said. Let's move on to some other non-Joker, non-Judy related news about award season in general, Michael. Yeah, Tom Hanks is going to receive this year's Cecil B. DeMille Award at the Golden Globes. And this is the other side of SJW Warriors going on their stuff. I saw people that were outraged that this isn't going to somebody that's like could make a difference and make a stand for something and, and be an SJW in themselves and blah, blah, blah. Are you kidding me? Tom Hanks hasn't done enough to merit this award? In the film industry, it doesn't always have to be about, like, just because it's not Oprah doesn't mean it's a bad thing. Again, good intentions, I would say, but yeah, Tom Hanks deserves Agreed. a Lifetime Achievement Award. <laughs> Probably an understatement of the year. Yeah. Else. Right. Laura Dern deserves a Gotham Award. She deserves to be honored at the Gotham Awards. They do this all the time. People in the award season who have a big movie coming out, they want relevant people. It's, they want people with great yeah, careers. Let's go. need A-listers. It's still an industry. We're running yeah. on A-listers. And speaking of A-listers and speaking of Oscar contenders and speaking of let's get a little levity into this episode, let's talk about some trailers that came out for supposed Oscar contenders this week, Michael. Yeah, 1917 had this making of featurette, which is both trailer and interviews with the filmmakers. This kind of blew my mind. Looks great. I was very impressed with the fact that this is going to be like a real-time movie. Now, of course, it's a long production. I don't think they're doing two-hour takes every day of the whole thing, just like a theater theatrical play that and doing awesome. it that way. Yeah. <laughs> they have ways in and out, just like Birdman did, yep. etc. They're going to make it look like one continuous shot, but it's not actually being shot that way. But you got a lot of long shots, and mm-hmm. almost all of them are going to be long shots, and that's going to work on us. I'm excited to see 1917. I have a problem with a lot of critics. I said this on Twitter not too long ago. If you have an Oscars list and you have 1917 at the top of multiple categories, stop that, please. Only include pictures that you've seen. And if you've seen 1917, that's fine. But I I have such a hard time taking seriously the critics that put like Sam Mendes at the top of the director's list in the top five. Well, they're reporting on the buzz. That's great. Have a buzz list. <laughs> Don't include it in what you've seen. It just mixes the message to me. Here are some other movies that, that attempted this and succeeded, Mike. The Birdman. Yes. Rope from Alfred Hitchcock. Great movie. Before Sunset, High Noon, Twelve Angry Men, all to a degree. There's some great movies that have pulled this off. Sam Mendes is being super ambitious here, and if he nails it, wow, you, we might have a best picture sure. contender, if not a front runner. I have no qualms with any of that. There is a lot of buzz being told about it. Is it worthy of the buzz? Well, if it is, then put it on your Oscars list. But see it first. I pr- I'm probably with you on that. So watch this making up feature. At yeah, it was fa- awesome. Really spectacular. Frozen 2 had its second trailer as well, Michael. I love animated movies that you simply could not shoot in real life. This is one of those <laughs> based on the trailer alone. Yeah. I mean, how many multi-million dollar, quote-unquote, huge set pieces would this have taken if it was done IRL. I mean, Mike, this this thing would have cost a billion dollars. And we're getting so much in this trailer and so many setups. I I loved it, and it's gorgeous to look at. This story is fun, but I I just can't get over the fact that Pixar movies do this, Disney's able to do this. 
we truly Take get to live in our imaginations. Yeah. Take advantage of the animation. Like it, it looks spectacular as Disney animation is obviously known to do. It's a fall movie. They're going into a forest. There's a lot of fall colors. How the hell is that snowman surviving? He's got magic. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> this is a true and true fairy tale. They're going like the Ewok route with this. They're introducing these stone goblin creatures that are kind of giving, pointing the way and what they should do and telling them the exposition. Well, the rock people were in the last thing, right? Oh, were they? I, I, yeah. I don't know. I thought you watched Frozen more than I did. I only seen it once, did but I, I seen no, it I recently. There were rock people. I've, I've, seen, I've seen, like, pieces a lot. I don't think I've ever sat down and watched the movie through and through. And I've seen Adele Kazim, who's apparently going to have another Oscar-nominated song from this as well. Adele Kazim, yeah. yes. Uh, or Adita Menzel. Who's, <laughs> who's to say? Who's to say? Not John Travolta. Uh, I love the dynamic between the sisters. You don't have to follow me into fire. Then don't walk into fire. That's, that's hilarious. Uh, it's an adorable fairy tale setup. She's freezing the ocean. You that got awesome, rock man. monsters, not yeah. just rock people. Maybe you have rock lobsters. I don't know, but I'm they're getting all of that out. I did it before. I saw it on the tip of I your was tongue. going to if you didn't, so I'm glad you made that joke. Yes. Into the Unknown is the song from Adele Kazim here. I'm Idina Menzel. At some point, that real name is going to fall out of my brain, and Mike, she's just going to be Adele how good was this song though i didn't think it was that good well you know it's tough right like how do you measure up to let it go i mean she's just yelling into the unknown <laughs> i mean it sounds just like it's that. beautiful but it I, like where's the melody like i like melodies i like aladdin and stuff i have no doubt when this comes out it's going to be catchy <laughs> yeah, as hell yeah, okay but you're right it's tough to measure up to what she did with let it go let it go i'm convinced is one of the greatest Best original songs from a movie ever. It was pretty great. And we're getting seven new songs for Frozen 2. So, so it can just dominate the category. We can just have five Frozen be, 2 songs. Be, how many are in the category right now? Right. What's yeah. that category looking like right now? The movie year hasn't started. We've so far had one film, I feel like. <laughs> Speechless from Aladdin, maybe, but I didn't even see that much, you know, yeah. fire for that one. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Clemency had its first look, finally. Sundance winner, Grand Jury Prize winner, December 27th release date, this is going to come in just under the wire. Alfre Woodard, Wendell Pierce, 96% Rotten Tomatoes, only a 76 Metascore. Look, I mean, this story hooked me in the trailer. Am I seeing the Oscar-nominated no-brainer performance from Alfre Woodard here? Not necessarily. She's a prison warden. She's in charge of death row. I mean, having one of the most difficult jobs ever is probably a good you know setting for a movie for, sure. for a good story there yeah i a lot of people expect this to contend in the best actress category we've had our eye on it for a while we'll see neon is really shaping up to have one hell of a campaign year and we're gonna see just how much juice it has and how ready it is to fyc for multiple big categories because hmm. we got this for the best actress category parasite for probably best picture best foreign or international feature best others portrait of a lady on fire could make noise in the screenplay category and Manos, actress yeah actress as well monos could be best international feature category apollo 11 could be the documentary feature category amazing grace could be documentary feature never mind the movies that it's distributing that aren't expected to compete for oscars but may make some noise who knows how they're received and yeah. little monsters in the lodge loose to loose as well yeah christ i didn't even mention that so we're gonna see a lot about neon that we haven't seen quite yet this year in particular do they have limited resources i wonder that's the question is this only vegetables coming out so late we saw if beale street could mm -hmm. talk have have trouble mm -hmm. coming out late being a movie that's about heavy things and not as much about entertainment and if their resources are limited where do they put them do you put it all in the parasite yeah. and hope for the unexpected best picture went right who knows we're gonna see gonna tell us a lot about neon this to, year to, to me again though like 
Alfred Woodard's performance has been out there. Like, I'm not saying she can't contend or can't get nominated. I'm just saying it's been out there since Sundance. We would know by now if it was this no-brainer, can't can't deny her kind of thing. Extremely, extremely early. I know you talked about other scores, but very few scores. But a 5.6 IMDb right now. That's anytime there's a there's not many votes and not many rankings or scores or whatever, and it's a low score. Yeah. I always get worried. I get worried too. Yeah. I mean, but Monsters Ball, the Susan Sarandon, Sean Penn movie, whatever that was. Uh, Dead Man Walking, excuse me. You know, they've been nominees in the past. Again, I talk about precedence, so it it does have precedent Mm -hmm. for this subject matter. We'll see. Uncut Gems. We finally got our first long-awaited look at that. Set in the Diamond District of New York City, Howard Ratner, a jewelry store owner and dealer to the rich and famous, must find a way to pay his debts when his merchandise is taken from one of his top sellers and girlfriend. Mike, don't bet. That's what I learned. (laughs) Don't bet. This is scary. Okay. What part of this trailer is supposed to dissuade me from entering the entering the world further of underground? The gambling? looks of those gangsters. Oh, is it the part where I get to meet Mike Francesa and hang out with Kevin Garnett? Is that supposed to dissuade me? Is it the part where I'm in just this lovely, lavish world of diamonds and jewels? I'm pretty sure. Is it the part where I am Adam Sandler? Is that supposed to dissuade me? I'm pretty sure he's going to get his legs broken, and we're going to see it at the end of this movie. I, I have no, no idea if, if I'm guessing the ending there or not, but I, th- this is not going to end well. I have a hot tip on a horse tonight. <laughs> 88.8 on IMDb and an 82 Metascore. Those are good. Very high numbers. Uh, Frances Francesca's dropping f bombs here. That is, is awesome. that nothing in film in 2019 is going to beat that as a personal highlight for me. The Ringer did a video of them watching <laughs> yes. the trailer, and it was hilarious. And Bill Simmons is like, "What is he doing in this movie? It's great." And he's not even playing himself. He's playing a character. His name's Gary. Yeah, Car- <laughs> KG still looks 28. Which is, is definitely true, like the like the Rigger said. I'm obviously a hardcore Celtics fan. Watching him, being able to study him for years, I think he might be an alien. Because he is just at an 11 of intensity at yeah. all times. I don't know how that man ever gets calm enough to sleep. Because he is just always locked in. And his eyes are terrifying. Let's see him become a great actor. That would be awesome. No, I don't we? think he has it in him. No, because no. I think it would just take a billion takes. It's like, Kevin, we need you to play reserved in this one. Okay! <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, Kevin Garnett is someone I want to see on screen this year, though. I, sure, I'm, absolutely. I'm for that I can't well. wait for this movie. The audacity of this movie being basically a screaming match for two hours uh, <laughs> by everybody's accounts. Matt Neglio came on our show after Telluride, the Sean Fennessy at the big picture. That worries me a little bit. They are screaming in this whole trailer. Yeah. However... The music is cool, and it kind of drowns out some of the pitches, some of the high pitchness of the screaming. And for a guy like me who was raised in a household with a lot of screaming, it's very I'm soothing. I'm used to it too. Feels like home. Yeah, I, I lived in New York for a while. I'm used to it too. I'm not worried. I big Italian family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm right. with you. I can't wait. I really can't wait. I, I know we've heard polarizing things and opposite things, but I just I cannot wait. Ordinary Love also had its first trailer. Premise: An extraordinary look at ordinary love. That premise. Bothers How long me. did that take up? Come up with you think? Why would they just go with that? You have a movie that people don't know about. They're like, what is this? And they just put a Hallmark card thing on there. Why? I mean, the premise is Leslie Manville and Liam Neeson's are married. She gets cancer. They love each other all the more now. And it's it's a very touching trailer. And Leslie Manville's great. And there's all these things about the process of surviving this cancer. 77 Metascore, 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Bleecker Street is releasing it. They're saying it's 2019. I didn't see a date of, as of yet. Mike, I need to know more about this movie. I don't need that premise. Hey. No. <laughs> Burning Kane. <laughs> 
review this one a year ago? So uh, this first trailer? It won at Tribeca. Did we review the trailer back then? October? Well, maybe it was a story. I don't I remember well, vividly Bunk from The Wire playing a pastor and us talking about it. He won Best Actor at Tribeca, Wendell Pierce, mm -hmm. and this won Best Feature and Best Cinematography, and it's a 19-year-old writer, director, and cinematographer at the helm of this mic. 88% on Rotten Tomatoes, 70 Metascore. This is coming to Netflix. I hated this trailer. I know, you're not a fan. Look, I just hate boring-ass church movies. I hate church movies in general. I, I hate movies about alcoholism. It might be great. It might be great, but I don't want to see this movie. You're going to have to drag me to see this movie. I was bored 10 seconds into the trailer. You could probably say the same about Clemency as you can about this, right? Like, this has been out for a while, at least on the... the uh, <laughs> fuck me. It's been out a while on the awards circuit, yeah, the film festival circuit. This is a montage where there's no ends to the characters. Like, at least with Clemency, I have an end to the Alfred sure. Woodard character feeling shame and confusion and being torn about her job. Like, I'm, uh, there's an in there. There's mm. a human interest there. Here, we just have people just doing lousy stuff to each other with being alcoholics and giving a kid a bottle of a bottle of liquor. And it's just really rough. It's a rough trailer. And then you, that, you know, contrasted with the preaching, ugh. We're going to get to the point where it's just going to be waxing poetic. Like, the Oscars race is going to become a parody unto itself. Every movie is just going to be like... It's not already? Depressing, <laughs> awful, make you feel... Like, two hours of just dread shit. They wonder why the, <laughs> the ratings are going down. No, I I think this this is particularly a movie like that. I, we, based on the trailer, we got to see it. Yeah, well, we certainly will. We'll wrap up here with talking about some film festival news updates. Fantastic Fest just wrapped up. Yeah, Jojo Rabbit got a ton of applause. Those numbers have gone up, Mike, seven. 79% on 79 reviews now. It's reached the point where I'm done talking about it. Just it's I get yeah, like yeah, this with it. every big Oscar movie. Just show me it. Just get me the movie and let's see it for ourselves. But another festival and another good reception. Yeah. The Lighthouse, same deal, 94% now on 96 reviews, 88 Metascore. Hall, Jacob Hall did like a day-to-day -day recap of the Fantastic Facts. He calls it a genre obliterating masterwork. And this is the exact opposite. I can't get enough of previews of Willem <laughs> Dafoe losing his fucking mind and rambling like a madman. So show me all of this you want. Dolomite is my name, improved to 98% on 41 reviews. I haven't heard anyone say a bad thing about it yet yeah. are we it's could a little be. sleepy right a little sleepy getting a little be. sleepy parasite 100 percent 110 reviews 92 metascore which jumps out to me this is going to be something this is going to be the one that kind of crashes the oscars party and boy if bong joon ho wins that director award and quentin tarantino and martin scorsese don't That'll be a story. That'll be something. That'll be something. Knives Out, Scott Wample at Birth Movies Death came out and said that this is one of his favorite movies of the year. 99% on 70 reviews, 83% Metascore. Those scores are high enough, aren't hey, they? Hey, if somebody doesn't like this movie, can you let us know? Because I haven't seen it. 83 Metascore, I don't believe it. I haven't heard a bad thing said about this movie. If you see this and you don't like it, sincerely, tell me. Because I don't understand why this wouldn't be nominated if it has a thousand percent approval across everybody who sees it. We've gotten on that soapbox a hundred times already on this podcast. And I'm good at it. And you're better at it. And I, I agree with you. Nominate it. Nominate it. Nominate it. For at least for screenplay if it's that charming. So I'm going to continue talking about how I've already talked about it. No, no, no. All right, but look, Riley Keough's The Lodge. I can't wait to see this. That continues to be a festival movie people really like. We previewed it a couple times yeah. now, Mike. 
It's getting pushed to 2020, That's though. sad news. February 7th. Well, it's sad for Oscars news, but are they kind of, you know, angling it to something that's going to make money? It's we saw... sad for me because yeah. I want to see it now. That's true. That's a good point. <laughs> First Love from Takahashi Miike. That closed the festival. Sweetheart from Blumhouse. Again, trailer we reviewed last week. Creature Feature with Kiersey Clemens. Really impressed some people, including Mr. Hall. Great Creature so Feature. So why is it going VOD? I don't get it. Uh, right? Why? If this one's getting such high marks, release it, right? Or I don't know. I don't know. They're, they're smarter than us. Putting it on streaming versus putting it on VOD to me is very different. Very different. Yeah. Streaming, you're paying you a premium. Right, exactly. Yeah, right. So I don't that. understand. Like, put this in theaters or put it on streaming. I don't know. Like, it doesn't make sense to me. Sean Chandler was all about VFW. He says it's uh, basically mutants versus old guys, and all the old guys are the expendables, quote, you never knew you wanted because they're all 80s movies guys that you remember but you can't name. Pete Davidson and John Mulaney <laughs> gave a review on Weekend Update in, on SNL last year of The Mule, and they just talked about it. Their thesis was this is the old person yeah. Avengers movie right? because it's just an old white dude that's capable and can still drive and can do everything old white dudes want to do. I did not like that movie, yeah. I imagine that's what this is. <laughs> it's my way of saying it. Well, it's versus mutants. It's a schlock horror comedy kind of thing or whatever. But Oscar highlights at Fantastic Fest. Next week we'll talk about the New York Film Festival and we'll have a couple more going forward on this show. Two quick stories to wrap up here, Mike. One about this year's award season and then the one about the next couple, maybe the next five. Richard Jewell. I thought this was going to be a 2021 or 2020 release date. Yeah, it's speaking out. of Clint Eastwood, slides in under sure. the radar here. It's going to be out this year. Paul Walter Hauser. Let's, let's, all right, let's get the train going for Paul Walter Hauser buzz, people. Listen, I know we're biased because he responded to our Six Degrees he of did. MMO when he was a subject of it. So we, we like, feel like him we're best friends with so him now. Much now. But he's seriously great in everything. <laughs> he has never been bad in any production we've seen. You're only going to add to your production if you add him in. I'm very excited to see him in this movie. He's playing the security guard wrongfully accused of bombing the 1996 Olympics in Atlanta. Crazy like, story. Imagine. If that story were to come out in this social media age, how persecuted just the city of Atlanta would be to hold this guy wrongfully accountable for this tragedy of a crime. Eric Weber said he had a source who has seen this movie already, seen a cut of it, and says Olivia Wilde is poised to contend at supporting it. I'm hyped up to see it. Yeah, can't, can't wait. wait. Jordan Peele got a five-year first-look deal with Universal Mike. This should be more, though, shouldn't it? I wonder if he was in charge of saying, I only want five years so I can see. Maybe he's got what did he get paid? Yeah, we don't know the specifics of it. This is exactly what I advocated that Amazon should have done with the Phoebe Waller-Bridge deal. They should have hidden the money. But This is different, different too. Certainly different. Wildly different. I think it's good for the new age Hitchcock to have a home, right? I think we want yeah. somebody that cares about, that knows what he can do and familiar with him and trusts him to make his own movie and won't interfere. But... Shouldn't they just, like, pay him to make the damn movie, right, and develop the next movie? I know they're giving him a development fee for a first-look deal, but they have not committed to producing what he makes, or they have not committed to buying what he makes. They're they're not buying a Jordan Peele movie with this deal. They're paying a premium to have the first hack at it. Right. I wonder, though, if that... I mean, maybe he prefers... I can understand why that would be a problem for for a lesser-known filmmaker, but... He obviously is going to want creative control over his movie, so he's going to want to make his movie. Mm-hmm. He's confident he that he'll sell it. He can probably yeah. make a deal to take out a lot on the back end as well because it's his property. Yeah. So he's, and like you said, he's sure he can sell it to anyone if Universal doesn't want it. So I I don't know. I could see either side of the coin. I could see either argument being made. I'm of the opinion, when I read that, I thought, good for Peel. 
good deal for him. I just keep seeing twenty million, two hundred million thrown around by Netflix and Amazon, and why wouldn't our best movie makers, filmmakers, go there first? Interesting. Like, I, what, Tarantino, did what did Tarantino get from Sony just to yeah. make that? We saw that deal. So there's a lot of money out there if you're a famous director and you become your own brand that right. can i mean tarantino's scorsese obviously there's a lot of money to be made and peel is certainly making his own brand a jordan peel movie has started to become its own event so it's going to be no interesting question. to see not only obviously what we get on screen but the behind the scenes financials uh what those are treated with and what he gets out of all of those coming up that is your oscar race checkpoint going into joker weekend and like we said we will have a full osp and oscar sprint profile breaking down that movie in full not only as an osp but also as a finale to our joker character study series that'll be out for you guys to digest this weekend we hope barring something unforeseen or barring us losing our minds seeing this movie uh you can look forward to that as well but for anything we covered in this episode and as well as anything else that we go through here in the mmo empire as always want to know your thoughts comments questions concerns specifically and especially as you weigh in as the jury during our snubbable versus unsnubbable game with judy garland's performance from renee zellweger that we had at the top of this episode you could reach out to us and leave us those comments we are mike mike and oscar on facebook mike mike and oscar on instagram at mm and oscar on instagram nope on twitter Mm-hmm. Social media, a little mishap there. We're MM and Oscar on Twitter. Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com, .com, and on Reddit. We are available everywhere. You hear podcasts, including and especially Apple Podcasts. If you, I just snorted. I don't snort, and I just snorted. You, like, gasp for yeah. air I'm with that snort. Dying. I think I'm drowning in my own babble. <laughs> if you use iTunes, if you use Apple Podcasts, if you own an iPhone, if you would be so kind as to type in Mike, Mike, and Oscar in the search, tap on our logo. We're in our Halloween costume. Scroll down once. If you can leave us a five star review, if you like what we do here, leave us a comment. We would certainly thank appreciate you. both of those, and we thank you for doing so. Michael, what's coming next, and what are some words of wisdom? MMOW and Orc will continue. We got the Joker. We got the uh, character study that will culminate with an award show, we think, next week, mm-hmm. if not the week after. And we have Parasite, and Dolomite is my name, and all of these. We have like every movie. Great movies that we're going <laughs> to review in the next couple of months. So we're getting guests to lock into to yeah. other films, and we're really excited about that. They're going to review them with us, and we'll have a lot of fun there. Can't wait. In terms of wisdom. See movies. It's simple, right? We got to see these movies that are being criticized. Yeah, and think about them. And, like, talk about them. Yeah. And don't judge other people's reactions about them. Right? We did a little bit of all of that. Well, when right? you're wrong in my eyes, you're wrong overall. But, yeah. <laughs> I think at least we can talk about our own hypocrisies. So that's yeah, good. We like to think we can. We think. I, you, you're probably better suited for that than I am. But that's a nice idea to end on. <laughs> Guys, when reality sucks, you can come watch these movies with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round without the stuffiness. Go enjoy Joker. We'll be talking about it soon. See ya.